Welcome back to the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm so glad you are here for this episode. We are talking today about the new movie, Dear Evan Hansen, adapted from the Broadway show, Dear Evan Hansen. And today's guest is Stephen Chbosky, the director of the movie. And as many of you know, I had him on the podcast in 2019 because we met in Boston and he was in Boston talking about his new book, Imaginary Friend. And I was in the bookstore coordinating an event for my book, The Year of No Nonsense. And that is how we met. And I ever so often bother him and remind him I exist. <laughs> and he's always so nice to me. Um, but I do really admire and appreciate Stephen Chbosky, especially with this new movie, Dear Evan Hansen. I do want to remind you that there's a listener warning on this. The topics are mental health and um, suicide comes up. Not We don't discuss it openly, like loudly, but if you have young people in the car, there's your warning. So, Dear Evan Hansen, uh, the movie is a full spectrum of human experience. It is accessible and beautiful. And I think, you know, don't quote me on this and don't yell at me if you don't like it, but I think every child, teen, every teenager, preteen from probably age 12 onward must, must, must see this movie. And even more importantly, as Stephen and I talk about toward the end of the episode, is this is a movie for parents. This is a movie for all humans to understand that not only are you not alone, but you're, I mean, that's it. You're not alone. You're not alone in your fears, your, your suffering, um, in any of it, that we all have experiences of sadness and depression and feeling like, why am I even here? If I fall in the forest, will anyone hear? Will anyone understand? Will anyone care? And that is the question that Dear Evan Hansen answers. And the answer is yes. People understand and people care because it is the shared human experience that Dear Evan Hansen delivers. And it delivers it so beautifully. And yes, it is a musical. And that makes it even more magical for me. I personally love musicals. And even if you're someone who thinks I can't watch a movie musical, I say this to Steven in the interview, like it's not a movie where they just instantly break out in song and inappropriately timed places. It's not like that at all. It moves every time there's there's singing or music. It is moving the narrative forward in a beautiful and accessible way. So I think that is probably all I need to say. We'll jump into the interview, but I hope you can take your young ones, especially your teenagers and all the parents out there, if you get an opportunity to watch it, you know, screen it first without the kids if you, you feel you need to. But like we also discussed in the interview, how, how Stephen and the writers chose to handle the topic is really beautiful and well done. Thanks for listening, everyone. And enjoy this episode with Stephen Chbosky. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. 
So let's get started. Oh, I, I am so excited to talk to you. Uh, here, let me hide self view, or else I'll just go like, you know what I mean? We're just like, my hair, I, you know what I mean? It's what everyone's like. So I just, I hide the old self view. I know you're like totally not stressed out, not busy. Things are super calm right now. So, you know, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's been like a day at the spa. I mean, between the basement getting flooded out and having to move my father-in-law out of the basement for a time and then losing four storage, you like, you know, oh yeah, it's been, oh, plus the movie. Yes. It's been, oh, plus the movie park. I gotta be honest with you. It's really been, yeah. Yes. Well, I'm not going to tell everyone how we met because they have to go back and listen to our prior interview, which I will post a link to, but we met. That was very cool though. I have to say being, being in that, you know, yes. Okay. We'll tell everyone real quick. So I was in a bookstore talk at Brookline Booksmith. I always have trouble with that one in Boston, um, arranging my book signing and Steven walks in and I was like, you know, it's, I walked up to him and he was having his book launch that night at the Harvard bookstore, I think for our imaginary friend. Yep. And we just, I, yeah. So we're like friends now. Yeah. <laughs> As I, we, we are, we are two authors totally understand each other. And uh, yeah, it, it's really fun to talk. Yeah. So, okay. So I saw the movie Wednesday night and everyone we're talking about dear Evan Hansen, which you've seen all over my social media. Oh my gosh. I, it's beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. And I, one I, thing I love about you, Stephen, is, and I told my husband this, he went with me. I said, I really feel like Stephen chooses movies and, and works and things that really matter, like really matter. The messaging matters so much. It saves lives. And I know that this was the case with perks, um, with rent, uh, with all of it. And so, and wonder, they're just life-saving, beautiful works. And this movie is no exception. So tell me all about it. <laughs> well, I, I greatly appreciate you saying that. A very important question. How'd your husband like it? He loved it. He cried. Yes. I'm he telling cried. you, you know what's funny? Is I always feel, I always think about the movies that I make. Because, you know, and, and book, like I do, I, I tell emotional stories. That's kind of what I do. And I, I love to do it. But I'm always mindful of the boyfriend, like if you're a high school, like, or the husband, just like, you know, and, and it means so much to me that he, that, that he loved it. Like, I can't tell you because I don't want to leave out half of the world. You know, well, tell I'll tell you this, and this is probably saying too much, but, but right before I came on the interview, he was getting on a meeting. He said, tell Steven I loved his movie and he shut the door. And so that was one, which I think is right. hilarious. Just knowing him, he usually forgets that I'm podcasting or anything but after we left the movie theater walking out of the parking lot he's like I gotta call my mom he's like I gotta call my mom right now oh my well hey and I was like well that's something and I mean he should call his mom but it was like that I think the scene you know between Ev Evan and his mom you know oh, so it's, good it's, it's incredible yeah. that so yes that moment I remember seeing it for the first time when I saw the I saw the show three years ago you know it's like one of those great things where you walk in and, you know, I'd heard the, the title, of course, but I didn't really know anything about it. I, I knew that it had won a bunch of Tony Awards, like, you know, that people said it was great. But you walk in, you go, oh, I wonder what this is about. You know, what did right. I know? And Ben Platt had already left the, the company. So I didn't you know I saw it with this uh, young guy, Taylor Trench, who's terrific. And, um, and it was like every twist and turn. And I was like, where is this going? It was so unexpected and surprising. I mean, the songs were great, of course. 
but it was really like like the the story was so fascinating to me in the character and like the moral ambiguity of the character but then that scene and that song with the mother so big so small oh my god i almost ugly cried i mean for real like you're there i was all alone i was by myself so i was like i didn't want to be the guy <laughs> You know, at Jeremy at the teenage musical by himself going, ah! <laughs> but but it's such a great moment. And and yeah, and I remember when it was done, I saw that when I, I finished, I called my my kind of uh, my my team, like my agent the next day. And I was like, Jeff, I don't know what they're doing with this, but if they if they do it, I want in. I love it. Wow, I mean, really? I just I knew that, you know, because of my experiences with, uh, you know, Berks being Wallflower and Wonder and um and uh, rent and some of the others is like that these type of stories can really have an impact there they the ones that are unafraid to speak directly to to um the issues that that young people you know face you know um and, and don't make apologies about it like you know that they're just they're unapologetically emotional and they deal with real issues and they i trying to be entertaining and, and have great music and all the other things, you know, cause it's not, a, it's not a, you know, it's not a homework assignment. It's a movie and it's supposed to be right. fun, but that have these, these the kind of like these hidden messages or like this Trojan horse of like hope almost. Um, I was like, ah, I want in because I knew, I knew cause uh, you know, uh, what I know about Broadway is, you know, only so many people can see it, you know, right. I think more, more people are going to see it opening weekend uh, when the movie's released that have seen it in its five years of run. Um, and that's one, that's three days. And that's right. even before it hits TVs or anything like that. You go that kind of reach, considering what the show has already done. Um, it's just, it was, it was just impossible to resist because you want, you know, I believe that like the audience, you know, doesn't exist for the movies. The movies exist for the audience. You do this to help and to be part of the solution. And I, I can't wait for people to see it. Like, I just can't wait. Oh gosh. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that you kind of wandered into it because that was the same. And I took my then 10 and 11 year old to the theater because I'm wow. like, this is a kid show. And the the theatrical product, it was a little, little much for a 10, 11 year old. I was like, oh my God, this is like real issues. I'm like looking down at my husband. I was like, should we stay or should, you know, and the kids were, they were enthralled. But what I love about the movie that you made, a 10 year old can see that movie. Yes. And, uh, well, you know, it, yes. it, it does, it's a still a serious topic disclaimer, but it was, it's not as it's approachable. It's accessible immediately. Like that was the first thing I thought when this opening scene and Evans in the school, I thought this is instantly accessible to every teenager that, that sees it. Yeah. Immediately. Well, well, I'm, I'm glad that you feel that way. That, that was, that was big for me because, you know, as you know, the stage show and, and look, historically the stage can always go darker than the movie can it's just right. the way it goes there's something about there's something about it that you know i don't know if it's it's the, it's the age of the audience i don't know if it's it's just it's just it's just how it's built it's always been like that and um and but i just felt like there are things that once you put a close up on the family's grief once you see uh, Cynthia Murphy, you know, played by Amy Adams. Once you see that, like right up close, you know, and personal, you have to calibrate for that. You, there, you have to account for what that's going to do. So little things. And plus, I always felt like for the movie, at least, that that the rom- the, rom- the romantic elements had to, it couldn't ever feel like 
that Evan was doing this for some sexual reason. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I mean, talking to the authors, I know that that wasn't the intent. That wasn't the, the point. But again, so yeah, certain things just, they just kind of fell by the wayside and, and we worked very hard together to just, you know, find the essence of the story. And, and even, even so much as turning a two act musical into a three act movie, you know, necessitates certain changes and certain finesse. But, but it, was, it was great fun to do it, I have to say. And those, those three authors are fantastic. And I think having the up close, the difference between the stage and the movie and why the movie is so powerful is because you do see the grief up close. You see everything up close. And on a stage show, you're like, what are they doing? I mean, you get the impact because of, you know, the, the grandeur of it. But um, that scene with Evan and his mom, I mean, especially to see Julianne Moore that close. And the, I mean, it was just, it was beautiful. So um, I did want to ask you the scene where they're in the go-karts, <laughs> oh, yeah. not to do a spoiler alert, but was that the most, I mean, that had to be the most That's fun. That's the most fun, hands down. Yeah. See, I love movie musicals and this one's different because as you know, it's, this isn't, this isn't fantasy. You know, it's not princesses in a castle. You know, God knows I, you know, I loved co-writing Beauty and the Beast. That was a blast. It's not, you know, it's not show business. There's no reason to be singing other than an emotional one. But that was my one chance to make a real musical number. musical and, yes. and dancing and singing. And it's funny. It's, it's so, it's so ridiculously inappropriate, but, right. but, but I, but that's what I kind of love about it. I remember talking to the, the authors about it and just this, this idea of like, you know, God, could you really do this? And, but you kind of, but you do, and you kind of have to, it, it's, you have to let the light in, you have to let the fun in. You know, to just remind us, like, you know, it's it's a movie, you know, it's a musical. I know it feels real, but it's a musical with, a you know, even with a little M, it's a musical. And yeah, so I'm glad that you felt that way about the go-karts. There's no spoiling when, when you cut to the go-karts. It's like, and then the the pump it up video game and they're dancing in the, in the arcade. It's, it's yes. so, I just love the whole idea of like Evan's idea of what a bromance friendship is. A bromance, is. yes, a bromance. It's completely what it is because, because you know, Evan really has never had like a really, really close friend. So his fantasy of what it is is so ridiculous <laughs> and I think it I hit so close to home because I have a 13 year old and he is kind of you know he's not Evan that far but he's not like a jock right and so sure. on his first day of school this year he said I'm gonna wear a watch to school mom and I was like is that like a big deal and he said yeah kids don't wear watches I said, oh, okay. So he wears this very distinguished watch and turns out he finds other kids that have watches and now they have what they call the watch gang. And wow. so I just pictured this, the, the scene with the go-karts and dancing on the table and stuff. And I thought I can see my kid doing this. <laughs> this is my kid's idea of a bromance is the scene. And it, it just touched me. It was great. I, I, lo I love that. It, yeah. Like a, like an Apple watch or like a watch watch. Oh no, a watch. Like a you know, to tell time. And I was like, do you know how to tell time? Do they teach you that in school anymore? Or <laughs> fantastic. Um, one thing I did want to ask you, and it just escaped my brain. Oh yeah. I know what, when you said it is a musical, one of the things I think you did so well is yes, it is a musical. However, sometimes when I see musicals for the screen, I think, they really don't have to just bust out in song like right now. And I never thought that this entire movie. I never well, I'm thought like, like I'm glad that you feel that way. That's wonderful. You know, that's a real testament to the writing. And I have to say, you know, this is the first thing I've ever directed that I did not write. 
it was okay. such a pleasure. And I'll, I'll keep talking about Pasek, Paul, and Levinson all day long. They're, they're really talented guys. And they, they really know their stuff. Like, they, they're students of musicals. What I love about it is that every song forwards the story. And every song yeah. has, a, has a narrative necessity. And not only that, but because we knew, you know, you were talking before about, like, the, the grandeur of the stage. You know, when you, when you take a, a show from a thousand-seat theater to, like, basically a dining room, it, it necessitates changes. And there was a certain, right away, I, th I actually think the reason why they hired me, the reason why they approved of me, um, Universal hired me and, and the authors approved of me, was that, that I came in right away, like, I, I really want to do live singing. I really want it to feel that the songs come out of the, the dialogue, that the, the dialogue and the lyrics are, are almost indistinguishable. And, and from an audio, like a technical way, they are. We use the same microphones for all of it. That whenever you see Evan singing on camera, that's him singing on camera. It happened. See, in I that didn't dining. know that. I mean, oh, it yeah, looks like 100%. it. Oh yeah, it's hundred percent. You can wow. hear it. You can you can hear the false notes and you can hear the the room tone. And sometimes you can honestly you can hear a car in the background because what I wanted it to feel like was like when you're in stage, when you're on stage, if someone coughs in the audience, there's a cough. If somebody, you know, if, if the actor hits a false note, so so be it. But there's there's a there's a texture to that. And I've never seen it done too much. I've seen it done like a movie like once, which I loved, but th that's about street musician and, 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 and a piano player. It's like, there's a reason why we're sitting in this music store listening to them sing, but the way it sounds and the intimacy that you feel like you're there with them, that's what I was going for because I wanted to have that intimate feel. And I, let me tell you something, for never having seen Ben Platt do it on stage myself um, and to just sit there like, like 10 feet away and just, Kind of like watch it over and over take after take it was like opening night for two months it was a remarkable experience wow and i know he took some hate some stupid social media hate for being too old to play like garbage i mean uh, garbage I, look, he was perfect yeah, uh, <laughs> he was yeah, a perfect I, I high school listen, senior <laughs> this is what i think about that, that that whole thing i really think that if if there was not video of him doing it five years ago no one would say anything you know mm -hmm. what i mean like I've done, you know, you, you know my work. I, I, I've done teen movies. I've cast, I've cast people older than Ben to play high school. Sure. And, and no one ever said a word. It's just, I think maybe because we have that, that yardstick and you can see what it was like five years ago. Or he was in Pitch Perfect and we can compare it to that. But like, otherwise, it's, you know, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. And he's terrific, you know. Terrific. And I think a lot of it was based on the trailer. You know, like once they, once they, uh, people actually see the movie, they forget about it. He's extraordinary and, and, and they just really enjoy the ride of the film. And I think so much of it is just our culture right now with social media. I mean, people just want to find something to complain about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems like it. I, I, it seems like a, a, a strange waste of energy on some level to, to harp on. It's like, you know, we got a lot of problems right now. Uh, ben Platt's age um, really isn't one of them, but you know, Hey, look, every, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And, and uh, you know, as we know, hate, haters are going to hate. And, you know, and whatever it is this week, it's something else next week. I, I personally think it's a waste of time. But, you know, it, it's, look, everybody gets to do what they want to do. So what is your favorite, what was your favorite part of this whole process with, of this particular movie? Um, I couldn't really pick a favorite. I, I, I would say, I will share with you one story, which I think is pretty extraordinary. You know, the thing about, the thing about Ben Platt, going back to Ben Platt for a second, was 
you know, even though I never saw him do it on stage, of course I heard him on the soundtrack album. And even through that, it was like, he was electrifying. And I'd heard something about him. Um, and I spoke to the authors and, and I had friends, not just people like, you know, in, in the theatrical or movie or whatever, like, you know, not the, not the, the fancy folks, but like the, the people just, you know, my friends from high school that came up from like Maryland or whatever, and just saw the sh him do the show um, and just talked about it. Like I knew that here was a guy I was told that could like, like, like be so emotive, like almost have a breakdown and sing with an open throat and then cry and then like vibrato and, and do this thing that physiologically maybe three people in the world could ever, they could do. And that I knew lightning was coming and it was like my job to kind of plan for it, something mm -hmm. I'd never really seen and provide the bottle, right? And the moment was words fail, words, the second half of the song words fail and he's in the woods. And all that's live singing, all of that. Wow. I remember, I remember I set up the, I set up the, uh, you know, with, with my DP, Brandon Tross, who's fantastic. I set up the shot where you follow Evan in and then as he's singing, you kind of tilt down a little bit. So he kind of becomes one with the trees. I was very proud of that shot. And the way that Brandon executed um, that idea was fantastic. Now it's time to do it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, you're, I've heard about this for months and months and months. And I yell, okay, action. And from the first take, I was like, oh. and this, this happened. Or am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Absolutely. Please. Okay, do. Here we go. <laughs> So um, th th this is this was amazing. So we finished the first take. He does that whole run, and then nobody knows who it was. But on the walkie-talkies, you know, the crew talks to, you know, you just heard this. Well, this is going to be a good fucking movie. And that was it. <laughs> and that was day two of, sh of filming. Day two. Wow. And what was amazing is because I knew that that was the emotional kind of climax of the like the emotional climax of Evan's journey that the, the depths of of his his you know basically that was his abyss that moment right I knew how to calibrate the rest of the emotions but that moment and the way it it happened was so exciting you know and then it kept happening over and over and over again he could do it he could he, there's nothing that kid can't do nothing and uh I still don't know who that crew member was but like we always <laughs> took whoever that guy was god bless you you know, if you hear this story, send, send me an email. I'd love to know who it was um, because it was a good omen for the whole shoot. Oh, I love that. I love it. And I sent you a text after I saw the movie because- I know, I know. That was, was very kind of you. <laughs> I'm like, I know he's busy, but I have to tell him. I mean, anytime you can get kudos, right? You send it to someone. You tell someone good job because it was so good. But one of the things I thought at the end of the movie was, wow, that was the whole spectrum of human emotions. All of them. Yeah. It touched everything. It didn't make, it made me feel grateful, sad, worried, grateful, worried again, sad, you know, like everything. And then at the end, you're like, oh, forgiveness too. You know, that I, I just yeah. felt redemption, forgiveness. And um, it was beautiful. It's a ride. Well, I'm glad that you, that was very kind of you to write. And I'm glad, I'm glad that you touched on redemption. It's been very interesting. Certain people seem to really fixate on the fact that he tells this lie and it seems to live and die there. It's really yeah. interesting where I say, well, but that's literally the point. The point is, this is a redemption story. This is a, this is a true coming of age story about a kid who has all these mental problems, all these mental health problems, social anxiety, you name it, who does this bad thing 
and through it, like learns by telling the lie, learns to tell the truth about not only about obviously the thing with, you know, uh, Connor Murphy's family, but also about himself. Like, what am I hiding? What are the things I'm not telling the people around me that could really actually help me? And, and what I love about what Stephen Levinson wrote is that whole thing of the idea of like no hiding, no lying, you know, just be you and that's enough. It's a beautiful thing to say, not only to young people, to everybody. It's been really fascinating. Look, most people, the vast majority of people get it. Yeah. But the people that don't, it has been fascinating. Almost like, do you guys need like a hug? <laughs> do you never lie? Like they're the you biggest know, yeah, liars of like, all. Do you need like a, like a bowl of soup? Like it's, he's a kid that's all alone. Whose mother works all the time. He doesn't really have any close friends. His father wouldn't even return his texts. Like he's all alone in the world and he clings to this life raft. Like after being genuinely, you know, uh, challenged mentally uh, over the summer and there's no, you know, and so anyway, for me, I love that you said redemption because that's what the whole point of the narrative is. It's like, you know, it's like without sin, there is no redemption. It doesn't work that way. So right. it's, it's, it's just fascinating. But anyway, thank you. Thank well, you. And I, I get it. And I totally get it. Um, why he lied, you know, and for people to fixate on but he lied is so stupid because you can see he's, he's desperately wanting to fit in. He's desperately wanting to, to feel loved, to not hurt someone because telling the truth in that moment that he chooses to tell the lie, he's trying not to hurt them. Absolutely. And that, you know, for people to, to focus on the lie, I mean, that just blows my mind, especially when we spend a lot of our lives and little omissions trying not to hurt people. Yeah. And also, when the lie itself is a metaphor for the whole social media aspect of the story as well, that like yeah. you take 25 photos, you put up the best one. You know what I mean? The, the constant, like almost like PR of like, this is the version of my life or, you know, you know, you, you don't, you don't talk about the, the, the crappy car ride to get to the restaurant. You show the plate of food. It's, you know, we're, we're selecting these things anyway. And that's actually baked in. It, so that, again, it's fast. I, I couldn't agree with you more about this fixation is very, very strange to me, especially when you look at that first scene where, you know, he's where, uh, you know, they, they say Connor wrote you this letter. He's, and he, he literally says the truth. He says, oh, Connor didn't write. He didn't write this. Right. Write this. He tried he hard. tells them and they can't <laughs> hear it. They're so grief stricken. And then, you know, and, and when the moment when when stuff, you know, when the the, the S hits the fan, as it were. Um, he could double down. Nobody's, you know, but, but he loves them too much. There's no malice in him. You know, it's, it's just fascinating. I, I, I love the character. I think it's so complicated in the way that Ben Platt plays him. It's so complicated. I, I, and since when does everybody have to be perfect? It's very strange. Anyway. It's very strange. I love, um, so did you direct Ben to have the slight hunch, you know, like the, no, 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 that's, that's is that him. Ben. You know, my, my feeling was, working with him and he, he's a wonderful person. Like I, I can't really say enough good about him that he, um, you know, he'd done like, he played the part like six, 700 times. I mean, from the first workshop through DC yeah. second stage off and then on Broadway, yeah, like six, 700 times. So he had all of this stuff in him that he was going to do. So my, my, my kind of strategy or philosophy or whatever was like, look, let him do what he does. And then if I felt, occasionally the need to wasn't even it wasn't even corrective you know very often we use that first take and it was perfect so but just to just to keep turning stones and just 
not make every, what I didn't want him to feel was this pressure to do this, the ultimate performance, you know, I didn't, because it's hard to create with that kind of pressure. It's hard to like yeah. go to those emotional places. Um, you know, even though he's a total pro still. So what I would do is he would do it a few times and I would say, Hey, what about, you know, what about this? Hey, wouldn't it be interesting if it was this occasionally I would say, you know, don't sing out, sing in, you know, occasionally I would say, um, you know, hey, just just reminding you, you've never said these words before. You're kind of making up a story right now, just because after 700 times, it's hard. You know, yeah. I, I mean, the kids, the kids a genius, but it's hard you know, sometimes to remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. I haven't sung this song like a thousand times before. Um, and it was it was lovely. But like, again, mostly the hunch, the mannerisms. I mean, it's his character. You know, I just yeah. I just try to make a really nice atmosphere for him to, to go to those places, because, as you know, because you've seen it. Um, there's a, there's a lot of richness there and there's a lot of gray and there's a lot of vulnerability. And so I felt that was my job to make it safe and supportive for him. So what do you hope, what, I guess, let me rewind. What is the demographic? Cause you, you wrote perks of being a wallflower, which the demographic teenagers, you know, I guess I was, I was in college when I read it, but what is the demographic for this movie? Like if you could put it in a box and give it to every kid in this age group. <laughs> what is that age group? Cause for me, it feels very important that every teenager see this at, a, at the right time in their life. And I don't know how to do that. Cause I can just see my son. He'd be like, it's a musical. I'm not going to watch it, but sure, he would, you know, he would, Probably he would really like it. Yes. I, I, I feel like to me, you know, I mean, you'd said 10. I, I look, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring my nine-year-old daughter to to the premiere next week. And, you know, one of the reasons because she has a little cameo in it, but also because she can enjoy the parts that she can enjoy, you know. Mm. And I'll explain, you know, I'll I'll let her know some of the stuff that's gonna come. But um I think I think the the perfect age, I think about there's something happens when you hit middle school, right? You know, there's fifth grade and you're a kid, and then you hit middle school, and suddenly, even if you're 12 or 11 when you hit sixth grade, life starts to change. And yeah. I just feel like for me, if I were to give it to anybody, it'd be like, you know, from sixth grade on, you know, in terms of adolescence, including college, and then their parents, you know, because there's so much for mom and dad in this. There's so much for the older siblings in this, you know, with Amy Adams and, and Julianne Moore's character yes. and Danny Kino. Like, like there's one thing I also loved about this show and the writing. It was, you know, parents were not treated like fools. And I'm big on that. I did that in perks. Like mom and dad were not idiots. You know, I, I think that's it's disrespectful and more to the point it's dishonest. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, I knew a lot of parents. I mean, some of them were kind of fun, but like for the most part, you know, people show up and they do the best they can. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah. I would say like sixth grade on and their parents. I would agree with you. My daughter started middle school during the pandemic. So she X'd out oh. of sixth grade and my son got to miss seventh. And I thought, you know, if I can be grateful for anything, it's that they missed each missed a year of middle school. Yeah, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna miss a year of school, sixth or seventh grade is like that. That's that on right. That, that right. is perfect. <laughs> yeah, and for anyone who's listening that hasn't seen the movie yet and and is wondering, like, well, how do how does you know the the suicide come up? How is it discussed? It's very brief. You you get the message, and it's not like. I don't know. I felt like, I feel like it's very safe. It's very safe for a 10 year old, a 12 year old. Cause I think well, it, a couple of people it, have messaged me and said, could my kids watch this? And I'm like, yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, 
you know, one, one of the rules when, when I came on board and I remember because, you know, 13 Reasons Why, the TV show, yes. I know that they consulted, I, you know, and, and there was some copycat stuff. And, and I said, look, you know, we have to we have to take the lesson that they learned the hard way and apply this. And so we we consulted mental health groups and we consulted the suicide hotline people and, and other groups that specialize in, in this. And we just and, and I gave them full veto power. I said, I showed them the movie. I said, I will take out any shot. I'll get rid of anything because I wanted the movie to like basically save lives, not kill anybody. Yes. Like I don't want to trigger anybody. Um, and so, yeah, and we changed some stuff. We changed some stuff at the ending deliberately because they said some very surprising stuff that I was like, really, that that's triggering? But I was like, look, you're the experts. I'm just the filmmaker, whatever you want. And those shots are gone, never to be seen again. Beautiful. So good. Well, I'd keep you forever, Stephen, but I'm not gonna. Okay. Are we done? That was yeah. Fast. Yeah. We're, we're, we're almost done. I just like to, um, you know, have a few minutes to, to wrap it up, but I want to tell you this, this movie will save lives and it will save lives in the same way that perks probably save lives because you say things that or you in this movie, things are said that are in people's heads already and people are scared to say out loud. And so I just want to thank you for bringing this to the big screen and, and it'll be everywhere whenever it's done in the theaters. Right. And everyone will be able to see it all the time and on airplanes and on their yeah. phones. And I, I'm working on the airplane version right now. Literally. Beautiful. Well, not literally, because literally I'm talking to you, but what I'm saying is literally I, right I, now I, under I, your desk, you're typing <laughs> on Tuesday. I will finish the air, the 16 by nine version. So yes, it'll be everywhere. And that's why I, that's ultimately, you know, even though I love the writing, I love the things I love it was about. That's why I did because I know from personal experience driving through the country, you know, traveling or whatever, that not everyone's going to make it to Broadway. You know, there's only so many seats, you know, there's only so many traveling companies. Like even if you live near a big city, you may not have the money to go, but like eventually everyone can get it this way. And I think I, I, I was talking to the, the head of marketing, um, for Universal, who wrote this beautiful thing. He said, he said, you know, more people will see it in opening weekend than have seen it in its five years of, of run, you know, five-year run. And I just thought, my Lord, considering what the show has been able to do for people, right. that, that that number and more in three days is just remarkable. And that's what it's all about. You know, like I said, you know, the movies, the movies are there for the audience, not the other, other way around. And, and this is a special one. I'm really, I'm, I'm really grateful to you to, Spread the word. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.